0: Have you ever heard the term, content is king? It refers to the idea that the best way to get your business in front of prospective customers is by providing them with quality content. There are so many platforms available, there's no way we can use them all. So it begs the question, where should we focus our efforts? Well, I'm glad you asked. In today's episode, we're going to find out. Stay tuned. Jennifer Shannon, and this is the Marketing Academy for Agents podcast. If you're a real estate agent and want to build your marketing skills, this is the podcast for you. We teach you actionable and effective marketing techniques so you can grow your business to compete with top producers and national brands. are talking with Rusty Shelton, author of Mastering the New Media Landscape, Embrace the Micromedia Mindset, and Authority Marketing. He is a best selling author, entrepreneur, and keynote speaker. Rusty founded Shelton Interactive and led it to become one of the country's fastest-growing brand communication agencies before being acquired in 2016. His current agency, Zilker Media, is one of the fastest-growing businesses in Austin and focused on people-driven marketing. He is a wealth of information for anyone looking to build their personal brand. Rusty, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. It's so exciting to be here.
0: Yes. Well, I'm, I'm excited for our conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and dive in and, and point out the fact that, cause you know, we're all realtors here and most of us listening to this are realtors. And every realtor who is working to get clients has a personal brand and has to leverage marketing in an effective way to get attention. And today, I want to dive into your book, Mastering the New Media Landscape, Embrace the Micromedia Mindset, since it does such a great job of explaining where we are with all the different media options today and where we should go from here. And so I want to, you know, pull back a couple of layers here and, and start off from early on for you. Your first speaking gig was at Harvard on the changing world of PR and marketing at, you know, the seasoned age of 23. Um, so that's pretty impressive. How did you get into the world of marketing and into speaking?
1: That was a very nerve wracking talk. Up in Boston, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, I kind of fell backwards into it. I I, I grew up here in Austin, went to the University of Texas and did an internship later in my collegiate career at a book PR firm here in Austin and just loved the experience. I loved um, the opportunity to go out and make an impact with ideas and help authors Build their brands, and so when I graduated, I started my career there, and actually spent the first seven years of my career at that book PR firm. Really, I'm learning lessons, Jennifer, around building thought leadership. At that time, it was really narrowly focused on on authors, but uh, as I've gone on in my career with both of my agencies, and in particular now with Zilker Media, we're really kind of taking this idea of Building a people-driven brand, or leading as somebody with something to teach rather than somebody with something to sell, and, and applying it to to real estate, applying it to businesses of, of all types, including still some books here and there. But I, I just mm-hmm. love the I love the spirit of um, going out and starting with a focus on serving others, teaching, making making an impact. And it's amazing when you lead with that. Uh, people are much more interested in doing business with you the trust the speed to trust is just dramatically quicker So I've been yeah. passionate about it my whole career.
0: Well I love that and it I know you've had quite a career that's taught you a lot I mean with your former brand communication agency and your current agency Zilker media, you acquired incredible insights into all aspects of marketing. So what are some of your biggest revelations on effective marketing you've learned while at the helm?
1: Well, I think one of the most important things for, for your listeners uh, in, in terms of a lesson that I learned is, is the reality in today's landscape is, you know, the, the first impression that People get of you doesn't happen in person. It doesn't happen over the phone. It, it, it happens on page one of Google. Mm. And from there, if you're lucky, it happens on your website or on your LinkedIn profile. And the crazy thing about that, Jennifer, is that's true even when you're meeting somebody in person. You know, when I'm paired up to go have lunch with an executive here in Austin or, or I'm getting ready to meet, uh, whether it's a realtor or an attorney before I walk in the door to meet them for that lunch, you know, I'm doing a quick Google search on my phone, Mm -hmm. right in my car, as I'm sitting there. And that first impression that I get off of that Google search in five minutes is going to be really difficult for that person to change in the next hour that I spend with them at lunch. And so I, 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 find for a lot of people who, you know, maybe feel like they're behind or they don't like social media or or it sort of overwhelms them to think about this concept of being intentional about the image that they're creating around themselves. I I find for a lot of them, the tendency is, okay, well, I'm just not going to worry about it. And and I'm Mm going to focus on uh, just taking care of my clients. And to be clear, if you're not taking care of your clients, all all the rest of this stuff doesn't matter. I'm going to assume (laughs) that's a given. First things first, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, But assuming you are, Those clients are referring people to you and and those people that are getting referred to you before they pick up the phone and call you in most cases are kicking the tires on their friend's recommendation, right? They're making sure that that person's not the outlier and having a great experience. And so one of the big Mm -hmm. things I'd encourage your um, listeners to think about is number one, if I've been referred to you by name and I go Google your name, the very first question I want people to ask themselves is can they be found? In other words, I I know your name. I know your first name, last name, and I'm going to look for you on Google. The very first question to ask yourself is, can I be found? And if the answer to that is no, Jennifer, in my experience, there's one of two reasons why. Either you've just kind of intentionally been a ghost up to now, and, mm-hmm. and if so, okay, we'll try to change that in this podcast. The other reason that I find is so common, especially with realtors, is they have a name that is really impossible for them to own search around. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, I, I kind of think one of my favorite examples of this is a big best-selling PR marketing author, a guy named David Mirman Scott. His name's David Scott. Mm-hmm. And he recognized really early in his career that his name was so common that if he led with that, it was going to be really difficult for him to own search around it. And, and so I kind of think about this, Jennifer, your, your name is like a piece of real estate. You think Mm. about a piece of digital real estate. David Scott was standing on a piece of real estate with hundreds of other David Scotts. Sure, very, very difficult to stand out there. When he added in his middle name, or or for many people, a middle initial, he walked across the street to a piece of real estate that's completely empty, and with the first brick he laid in the foundation, he owned search. And Mm -hmm. so that would be one of the first kind of tactical things that I would encourage your audience to think about is. If I've been referred to them by name, I want to find them. I don't have your email address. I don't have anything else. I just have your name. If I can't find you right now, and the reason is because you have a brand name, right? A a first name, last name that is so common. The -hmm. very first thing we need to think about doing is, does it make sense to change your name by adding that middle initial or adding that middle name?
0: Okay. So that's... I, it's funny you mentioned this cause I actually have that issue myself, it, which surprises me because I thought with my name, Jennifer Shannon, I, I didn't think Shannon was that common of a last name, but surprise it is. So, um, there's, there's a therapist, uh, that's got this name and she owns that, that name. And, um, and Jennifer Shannon was a character on a TV show, um, played by Lori Laughlin. So that, <laughs> that, you know, that pops up too. Um. What if, do I rely, can I rely on someone searching, you know, if they start Jennifer Shannon and they see all these other results, uh, can I rely on them to maybe say Jennifer Shannon realtor or real estate or DFW or Dallas or something like put in some other search term, or should I stick with really branding that middle name or middle initial as part of my identity?
1: I, I would strongly recommend for you, Jennifer, that you add that middle initial okay. as part of your identity. I mean, if you think about the guy that spends more dollars than anybody in the state of Texas on advertising, I mean, he's a household name for most people. His name's Thomas Henry, and he got branding advice early on. So for those that are outside of Texas, this is a very high profile personal injury attorney in Texas that, gosh, he must spend $50 million a year on advertising. Mm.
0: To have Thomas, that budget.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thomas Henry is a massive liquor company out of Great Britain and they do a significant amount of business. They own search around that name. And he got very good advice early on. And that was, all right, well, if we go run a bunch of ads around Thomas Henry, it's likely people are never going to find you because of Mm -hmm. how dominated that name is. And so he added added in, you know, Thomas J. Henry, which is, which is now the brand that he goes by. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, he owns search immediately. And so my encouragement for you, Jennifer, is yes, probably most of those people will end up adding realtor or, or, or they'll go to that link to go to more of a long tail search. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, you're making it a little harder on yourself because there, there are going to be certain people that don't do that. And so Good if you point. brand mm-hmm. that middle initial, you're going to own the dot com right away. Mm-hmm. And, and once you make that change, Jennifer, if you do decide to do it and for anybody listening, if you decide to make that change, that's got to be full stop your brand name. In other words, okay. that's on your business card. That's your LinkedIn. That's your Instagram. That's the way you're introduced for a speech, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Because that's the name we want people referring to going forward. And, okay. and that's the name we want people Googling. So that's kind of starting point thing. The other thing I would mention Jennifer is you got some people listening to this that don't really have a, a Jennifer Shannon type type common name or, or their mm-hmm. name is not a David Scott. And they might think they're in the clear, but for many of you, you're unlucky enough to share the name with, you know, a major league baseball player from the 80s or an mm-hmm. axe murderer from the 60s or whatever it might be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen each of those things, by the way. And so if you do that quick online brand audit around yourself, go to incognito mode on, mm-hmm. on Google so that it, you know, it's not returning your name because they know it's you. Mm. And and look and see what comes up around a search for your name. And again, kind of foundationally. Jennifer, before we get to the fun stuff of content strategy, etc., the foundation of this is you've got to have a name that you actually own. Search for.
0: Good point. So I have never. I've. I like to fancy myself a rather savvy internet marketer. Um, I never thought to go incognito mode because. What I'm seeing is what Google's based on the algorithm is saying, oh, this is what she wants to see. So that's the first thing I'm going to do after this and then go buy you, that URL before this episode airs. So <laughs> really, yeah, really, yeah, for sure. really good advice there. And we're just like scratching the surface on the book that you wrote and some of the things in there in the book I'm talking about is the one you wrote mastering the new media landscape, embrace the micromedia mindset. What made you decide to write this book in the first place?
1: Well, I, I had been, you know, as I mentioned, I spent my career in, in book PR. So I, mm-hmm. I always loved working with authors, always really respected somebody that could sit down and, and write a book. And it was always on my bucket list. But but realistically, you know, I thought it would be something I, I would do way later in my career. I got lucky. And one of the speeches that I gave, there was an editor for a book publisher out of San Francisco called Barrett Kohler that was in the audience. And she came up to me after the speech and she said, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book on this topic? And I said, actually I have. And, and so it was the rare situation where, you know, she approached me for that. And, and I uh, was fortunate enough to partner up with uh, Barbara Cave Henricks, who was my co-author on that book. And we had a great mm-hmm. time writing it, but really the idea around that book, Jennifer was, having success in today's media landscape means thinking more like the media than a marketer with the hmm. way that you're creating content. In other words, the focus is you have got to position yourself not as a realtor with homes to sell or, or, or as a business person with, with you know, a company to grow, instead you accelerate trust and you you accomplish those business goals much quicker when you position yourself as somebody with something to teach as somebody that's mm-hmm. on a mission and so that was really the pivot that we wanted people to try to make was all right everybody else is doing the same old thing right what is the most commoditized uh, image that exists, and that is, I Google somebody's name. They've got a bio page on a corporate website. I can probably find a LinkedIn, but but I'm putting that person in a stack of the 99% of people that I I look at in the reality space, or for an attorney, for example. If you look for an attorney, 99% of them are in a suit and tie or in a nice um, dress in front of a case of leather bound books behind them, mm-hmm. or or as a mm-hmm. doctor, you're in the white coat. So part of part of what I What Barbara and I wanted to encourage people to think about in that book was you've got to differentiate yourself from the image that your target audience is expecting and and sort Hmm. of views as the commodity. And instead of positioning yourself as kind of the the operator, if you will, Mm -hmm. you, you want to position yourself as somebody that is you know, is on a mission to help people, is is speaking on the topic, is doing media on the topic, has a newsletter I can subscribe to, is, is giving me something of value. And as a result, I actually trust that person more because I've gotten to know them before I raise my hand for that mm-hmm. appointment versus the others. You know, again, I'm, I'm sort of looking at them as, as all the same. And, and maybe I'll get to that appointment or maybe I won't, but for those other people, I'm feeling lucky to get in the room with them.
0: Ooh, I really like that thought is how do you brand yourself in a way that your potential client feels lucky to get in the room with you? And that that really kind of is a mind shift. Cause I feel like in real estate, we just swim in the sea of sameness when it comes to our brand image, our brand tag, like what we're saying, you know, everybody's it's like, I'll sell your home in the shortest amount of time for the most money, you know, and it's, right. and we all say we provide great service. Well, what does that really mean? Well, when you lead by serving and lead by giving and and helping to teach people something, I think you're absolutely right that that puts you on a different playing field than everyone else. And also so I want to uh, go back a minute too, because you mentioned about, you know, your, your history and book pub publishing, uh, you actually helped real estate. People would know this book. The one thing by Gary Keller, you were a part of that process too, weren't you?
1: Yes. Yes. Gary Keller mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Jay Papazan, we yes. were fortunate enough to lead the, the digital piece of the launch of that book. And it's one of my favorite books we've ever worked on, um, and was an absolute blast. And still to this day, I refer that book constantly is such a good book. Um, But yes, that was one of the bigger books that we worked on through the years.
0: Yeah. And I love how that book transcends just the real estate world, like any business it could apply to. So, Oh, absolutely. um yeah. And, it, you know, speaking of books, so when I went through your book, I really felt like I was highlighting something critical to know on almost every single page. As I was going through, I felt like the light bulbs were going off and I was like, yes, he gets it. Because it made so much sense when you look at where we are today with all the different media options we have. So uh, can you go into that a little bit? Because uh, you talk about that in the book about how, where we were in forms of traditional media um, and talk about About where we were up to where we are now with all those different options we have.
1: Absolutely. And so I'll never forget the first day that I ever had on my first job at that book PR firm. When I walked in the door, Jennifer, I was looking at a desk that had eight books stacked on it. It had a telephone and it had a three ring binder. (laughs) This is, you know, 18 years ago, it feels like the stone ages of PR, but (laughs) my job was to if i was pitching drive time radio in dallas for example i'd thumb through that binder i'd get to the dallas page pick up the phone cold call a producer and try to charm them into having one of my authors on their radio show Mm -hmm. And, and so if you sort of think back to that previous media environment as a realtor if you wanted to get a message out at scale there used to only be two ways to do it you could either rent the media's platform by buying an ad or you could earn your way onto it by getting interviewed or featured. But in that previous environment, there was no way to sort of push the media out of the way and go directly to your audience at scale. Right? you could do it one customer by one customer, but not at scale. You mm-hmm. fast forward to where we are today, we still have rented media, we still have earned media, but I would argue for your audience, the biggest game changer and the biggest opportunity for both leverage and impact in their business is the growth of owned media. So so when we look at a high level on this, Jennifer, the the biggest shift that we've seen is we collectively, as the media consuming public, are increasingly shifting our attention away from large generic media that we're increasingly skeptical of or or, or prescribing biases to. Mm -hmm. and, and, And we're redirecting our attention to podcasts like this micromedia that are giving us niche content that is exactly what we're looking for, that we can listen to or read whenever we want to. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the big difference here is we are viewing those micromedia, those subject matter experts, those authorities as more trustworthy, more interesting, more entertaining than what we can get elsewhere. And so for your audience, what I hope is a bit empowering about this is your target audience increasingly wants to push the media out of the way hmm. and learn directly from you. And so if you can give them opportunities to do that, whether it's through an email newsletter, whether it's through a podcast like Jennifer's, whether it's through um, you know an Instagram account or a LinkedIn profile, etc., you set yourself up to not only make a bigger impact, but you empower the people that already know and love you with something to go share with other people, with something to pass along. And we can get into the weeds of that. But I think that's the biggest shift that I have seen across my career, Jennifer, is used to, we would kind of hope that somebody else would give you access to their media outlets so you could reach an audience, or, or, Mm -hmm. or, or you had to have budget to get there by renting it. Where we are today is you earn it and you do that by thinking like the media instead of a marketer.
0: And you do a great job of, and you've already mentioned those terms um, about explaining the different types of outlets. And you talk about earned, rented, and owned media. So earned is when someone else is giving you their platform to have a voice on. Am I, or you can correct me if you want to maybe say it a
1: little. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's really close. So, so it's okay. just to, just to give a quick overview of you. So rented media, the definition there, these are all of the messages that go out where you control the content, but somebody else owns the real estate. Somebody else owns the audience. So advertising falls in that category. The other big one, Jennifer, that falls in that category are your social media channels. Hmm. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, even though you're not paying per post, The way I want you to think about this, let's say you have 2,000 followers on LinkedIn. The the way you need to visualize that is you've gathered 2,000 people on dirt that LinkedIn owns or dirt Mm -hmm. that Instagram owns. And it's not, by the way, not that that's a bad thing. I I want that to be as big an audience as you can get. Mm -hmm. But you have to be crystal clear that the longer you leave your audience on real estate LinkedIn owns or real estate Instagram owns, you're completely beholden to their willingness to let you get to that audience, right? Mm. to to their algorithm. And so I see a lot of people that uh, make the mistake of leaving their audience on real estate that others own rather than being really intentional about reaching people through rented and earned media, but then really methodically driving them back to owned media where you can extend your interaction with them. And, and, And we can talk more about that here in a second. Earned media, as you mentioned, was uh, earned media is all of the messages that go out on real estate others own where the impression is you've earned that message. So these are PR interviews. These are client referrals, online reviews, word of mouth, speaking gigs, awards, all of that stuff Mm -hmm. lives in that earned category. And and without a question, nothing does more for your credibility or authority or the velocity of a lead than earned media, right? We all know a message just hits us differently in Mm -hmm. that category. And so for that reason, because it's so powerful, I do see a lot of agents make the mistake of focusing only on earned media. Mm -hmm. And the risk factor when you're relying only on referrals or only on PR, et cetera, is you don't actually have any direct control as a realtor over whether or not that message goes out. Right, you got indirect control. If you take care of customers, absolutely, they're going to refer. Mm-hmm. But we got to hope they're at the right dinner party next to the <laughs> right person, right? And sure. your name comes up, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're sort of sitting and waiting for the phone to ring. So it's an important piece of the process, but it's not the only thing. The last category, owned media, are all of the assets where you own the connection to your audience. And so that's your website. That's your blog. And, and most importantly, from my perspective, Jennifer, your email list.
0: Mm-hmm. I keep hearing that more and more about, you know, the importance of having that information directly. And I think you know, we all kind of got a taste of that a few weeks ago when Facebook went down for like half a day and the world panicked. Um, and so we can't control what uh, what other people right. do. And then and Facebook more and more, you know in the beginning, uh, Facebook, you just created a page and everybody saw what you posted. Well, now you're lucky if an eighth of your audience sees one of your posts on one of your business pages on Facebook. So, uh, they do keep throttling that reach, uh, to hope to get you to pay more so that you turn into rented media, you know? Um, well, I guess social is always rented media, but, um, but yeah, so in the own media, we've talked about that and the importance of that and um, about having a website that you direct people back to in the email list. Um, you also mentioned the word um, about niching down and, and having a specific message or reaching a niche audience, maybe. Um, why, again, can you kind of elaborate a little more on why that's so critical?
1: I think that just goes back to differentiation from from my view, Jennifer, and that is how how do you position yourself as the absolute authority or absolute thought leader for a really specific market for a really specific audience? And that doesn't mean that you have to work with, you know, some super narrow demographic only, but Mm -hmm. you want to, what you want to try to do there is you want to try to build a brand or build positioning that attracts your ideal client. So, 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 Um, kind of working backwards from that. A lot of times what I mention to realtors or other professionals is you want to work backwards from the media outlets that you know your exact target audience is paying attention to. And, And so when we know which outlets those are, one of the big things that we want to try to do is figure out a way to get coverage, win an award, do something that gives you the ability to use that particular logo In some of your marketing materials. So, in other words, uh, one of the most important principles that we often talk about in uh, that first phase of branding is the principle of authority by association. Okay. So, what that means is we got to keep in mind when I've been referred to you by name, when I get to your website or I get to your LinkedIn, there's no image in my mind yet for you, right? It's the very first time you and I are coming in contact with each other. Mm -hmm. And so, on your LinkedIn, if you lead with you know, kind of a normal headshot and then maybe that header area, you've got a gorgeous sunset picture over Lake Travis or you've got just some generic header. What you've got to keep in mind is that, again, that does nothing for the image that's created in the minds of your target audience. Instead, what we want to have in that header area or we we want to associate you with are brands that your target audience already knows, trusts, and respects. So for example, Hmm. if, if I get to your LinkedIn page, and again, I don't I don't know this particular realtor yet. But when I see, okay, wow, she has won uh, two awards from the Dallas Business Journal. I don't have an image in my mind yet for that realtor, but I do have an image in my mind for the Dallas Business Journal. Mm-hmm. And what happens there is it's a it, it's an a that realtor's image is now along for the ride with the image in my mind for that particular brand. And so mm-hmm. one of the other things that I want to encourage as part of that brand audit for everybody that's listening to this when your target audience gets to your LinkedIn profile or they get to your website, are you associating yourself with brands that your target audience knows, trusts and respects? And if not, think back through your background. Are there awards that you've won? Is there certain media that you've been featured in? Are there places where you've spoken? Are you a member of certain groups? Think about all the different brands that do have images for your target audience and let's find ways to visually associate you with those things as a way to to kind of accelerate trust on a snap judgment.
0: Hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a new way to look at things. I mean, it's, I feel like in our industry, it's so much, you know, just going straight for the lead. So we're buying Zillow leads and realtor leads, and and that's the angle that people are going after right now. And it's not so much thinking of how do you create that authority and that, you know, authority by association, which I really like that term. And, you know, one thing too, I want to kind of get into is, you know, we've talked about earn rented own media, uh, different types of social media and all these different things. And, you know, your, your book mentions that with the proliferation of micromedia outlets, there's a lot of noise. And so how can we kind of take this concept of all these different angles and do them well as an agent and not get overwhelmed by handling all of it?
1: Well, I think that's such an uh, important question because I, I would guess that some people listening to this may already be overwhelmed with just the thought <laughs> of the online brand audit, right? Or you know <laughs> so true. Or, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot here that we're walking through, and what I what I would encourage is it, it it's one of the things that is most important from my view, Jennifer, is that what a what a realtor focuses their time and attention on needs to be an intersection between things that they enjoy. And things that their target audience are looking for. So, for mm-hmm. example, if if you know if I were to encourage some of your audience to write a weekly newsletter, that they, they you know that that might be turning the stomach of fifty percent <laughs> of our audience. The thought of sitting down and having to write five hundred words a week. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, they might love a podcast, or they might love a video series on LinkedIn. Their personality is more suited for that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, the starting point for me is thinking about something that that kind of lines up with with what you enjoy. But the other piece of it, Jennifer, is, and and for me, this is perhaps if you do one tactical thing as a realtor outside of getting your brand right, which we can talk a little more about, one tactical thing on the content front, my encouragement would be to think about your content strategy as a way to build intentional outbound relationships with Mm. people that uh, can turn around and help you in your business. So for example... um, If there's a realtor listening to this who's brand new to a certain market, for example, or who's who's, uh, trying to build relationships in the market that they're serving, one way to do that is to go out and do what everybody else is doing, which is drop in business cards and, you know, hey, can we go to lunch? And all of us get that request, you know, hundreds of times a week, right? Mm -hmm. We can't delete it quickly enough. Mm -hmm. Instead, what I would encourage people to do is flip it. And whether you start a podcast or you start a spotlight series on your blog that, that's built kind of around thought leaders in your market, hmm. when you go to somebody to build a relationship with them and instead of asking for something, you say, hey, I'd love to I'd love to have, a, have you as a guest on my podcast. I love what you're doing with your new restaurant. I love what you're doing with your business or whatever it might be. And, and you use that podcast or that interview series as a way to facilitate a peer-to-peer interaction with somebody. That's a really powerful thing. And it's a great way to get your foot in the door and build outbound relationships. Mm -hmm. I would also encourage people to think about the people that already know and love you, your key referral bases right now, your key clients Also, think about them for that interview series because when you do a spotlight on somebody, and by the way, spotlight can't be, hey, tell me why it was so awesome to work together. In other (laughs) words, this is not like a commercial for you. You're focused in on, on, on what they do and what's important to them. But when you interview that person that already knows how good you are, what happens when that interview runs That person's going to take that interview to their Facebook page, to their LinkedIn profile, pass it around to everybody. And when they do it, they're going to wax on about Mm -hmm. their experience with you. And what you're basically doing is you're empowering them to refer you in a way that they're winning as they do it. And so it creates this really win-win environment. So uh, of everything that we've talked about in terms of content marketing, that would be the one thing, Jennifer, i encourage your audience to really focus in on is, can you create a relationship-driven content strategy that focuses in on building intentional relationships that move your business forward?
0: I like that. And there's something else that you talk about in your book too, and it kind of goes in line. You mentioned Uh, a a newsletter. And you said we might lose half the audience by mentioning that. Um, You mentioned blogging in your book also, and that you say it is one of the best engines we can have for our platform. So what do you say to people who think blogging is irrelevant?
1: Well, there's lots of people that think (laughs) blogging is is irrelevant these days. Mm -hmm. And I'll have uh, people tease me that, all right, is this a 2010 podcast or is this 2021 (laughs) podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of reasons why a blog is still relevant. Number one is people need to remember that a blog is not just a text blog anymore. In other words, the blog within your website should be featuring things like podcasts that you're doing, the audio content from that. It should be featuring embedded videos. It should also have text. But but the reason a blog makes so much sense is still to this day, a major factor in the way Google ranks your website in terms of search results is, is your website featuring fresh content? How often is it updated? How many people are linking into your website? And if you've got a brochure website that doesn't have a blog on it, the only people linking to it are related to you. With a blog... What you are able to do is you're able to build through an interview series, through content that's actually valuable. You're getting people linking into it, which is encouraging Google to rank that website higher and higher and higher. And Mm -hmm. so um, I don't think the blog has to be the only thing. And there have been a couple of major shifts, Jennifer. So, So when you write something for your blog, the worst thing that you can do is go and take the link to your blog and paste it on your LinkedIn profile.
0: And oh, really? Re- Why is that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. So LinkedIn, the last thing LinkedIn wants to do is send somebody to real estate that they don't own.
0: Good point. And
1: so when they see you linking off to a different piece of real estate, their algorithm's going to hide that in the corner. Mm. So instead, what you want to do with the blog that you wrote for your website is you want to cut and paste it and post it as what's called native content mm. within LinkedIn. So you want to have that content actually live. Within LinkedIn in its entirety, LinkedIn's algorithm is going to give it a lot more organic visibility. We still have the link to your website at the bottom of that. It's not that they can't get there, and ideally with some kind of clear call to action. But you're getting a lot more reach. Same thing goes with with video. By the way, I see so many people make the mistake of shooting great video content, uploading it to YouTube, and then taking that YouTube link to LinkedIn to Twitter. To Facebook, etc. Mm. The last thing that those companies want to do is send their audience to real estate Google owns. Instead, take the extra five minutes and upload that video as native content to each of those platforms. Again, it's, it's an extra five minutes assuming you've got a decent internet connection. Mm-hmm. And that video, when it lives within LinkedIn, is going to get a lot more love from that algorithm than if it lives over on YouTube, and so a couple of little hacks like that
0: mm-hmm. that
1: that take a blog that some people might be thinking of as as not performing and allow you to extend the reach a little bit better.
0: I think that is a great point because I think a lot of times when we think about a blog, we just think about that thing that's on our website, and we don't think about repurposing that content on the other channels and, like you said, putting it on those channels in in the native application. So it's you know, right there on Facebook, we're not taking anybody someplace else. And so I don't think we think about all the different ways that can be used. And then we could link to that blog in our newsletter that we're emailing out. And so it's the content that keeps on giving. um, And so you don't just do it once and forget about it. So I think maybe if we just shift our mindset a little, we can stomach the idea of blogging a a little (laughs) better than we currently have.
1: Yeah, I I think that's right. And and the other thing I would say about blogging, Jennifer, is you want to try to work backwards from what you think your target audience is searching for on Google. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there there are two different types of traffic that are going to come into your website. One type of traffic is what I think of as direct traffic. In other words, they know your name. They've been referred to you. They're looking for you. And any old website is going to serve to attract that person. You don't need a blog to do that. The blog is going to really help you with indirect traffic. And indirect traffic is, I have no idea what your name is. I'm looking for a really good realtor for West Austin, or mm-hmm. I'm looking for a realtor to help me with my relocation from California. I'm, help, I'm wanting to understand the trends of a certain area of town. And so if you can use some of the free tools that Google gives you to get some clarity around okay what are people searching for in my area what are the top search terms as it relates to real estate and how can i work backwards from those search terms and create content that really clearly positions my blog as something google is going to want to rank for that search so when you do that what you do is you sort of widen your net around those search queries. And it's not an immediate thing oftentimes, mm-hmm. but I'll have people tell me that, you know, blogs they wrote two, three, four years ago provide 10, 20% of their lead flow because they hit on a topic wow. that, that linked up with what people were searching for and, and what Google wanted to rank.
0: That's impressive. So get started now
1: <laughs> yeah. and,
0: and build that content library. How often should we be blogging?
1: You know, I, what I would say is as often as you will do consistently. So okay. it's really difficult to, to do a blog consistently. If you if, if somebody were to tell me, hey, Rusty, I, I can only commit to do one a month, then I'd say, fantastic, let's do one a month. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, it would be more like once a week or once every two weeks, uh, I okay. think would be a really good clip for people. Um, But, but the other big thing that I would say is I I do see a lot of people, Jennifer, that will make the mistake to jump right to the tactics. In other words, jump right to the social media or right to the blogging or right to some of that. And and they don't have the foundational stuff done. So the foundational stuff being, do you have a name that you can own search for? Mm -hmm. Do you have a home-based website? that's built around your name. Every single person listening to this podcast, if you don't own your name as a website address, as soon as we finish, please go to GoDaddy and grab it. <laughs> while you're while you're there, get your kids' names, get your grandkids' names. That real estate's valuable today. It's only going to get more valuable in the future. It, it is shocking to me how many people in substantial positions of leadership and business that don't own their name as a website address. So mm-hmm. own your real estate, and, and make sure that when somebody's looking for you, what they find is going to be something that accelerates them to the point that they want to raise their hand versus otherwise. One of the biggest things that I see, Jennifer, many of the people listening to this have a lot of clients that love them already. They, they've been mm-hmm. doing this for a while, right? They, they've got a really good network in place, and, and and you're getting referrals right now. If you're not taking your brand seriously, you're probably still getting referrals because you do a good job what you will find and be shocked by in my experience is those people that know and love you are, are actually much more likely to refer you to other people when they know it's going to make them look good mm-hmm. in other words when, when they know when they give your name to somebody and that friend goes and googles your name that that, that website that that linkedin profile that that brand that you've built reflects well on them making that referral and so the other piece of low-hanging fruit here, for those of you that are already getting a lot of referrals that, that might be thinking, okay, I don't have the market because I'm getting a lot of referrals. Mm-hmm. W- when you put that brand in place and you do it the right way, you are going to empower a lot more people to talk about you because it makes them look good.
0: Such a good point. Absolutely. So your book has tons more information in it, such as an online brand audit, how to create content and more. And I really wish we could dive into all of it. But before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share that we haven't discussed yet?
1: I was just going to give a quick tip to your audience, something we're seeing work really well right now as a lead magnet on your website. And lead magnet, again, for the audience is, how do we get somebody's email address? How do we take that person that's landed on your website, that's not quite ready to call you yet? They're not quite ready to reach out for that appointment. For that person, the best thing we can do is is extend our interaction with them, convert them to your list. And so, um, I typically will group lead magnets into one of three categories. So, category one is the really basic, you know, click here to sign up for Jennifer's newsletter or click here to sign Mm -hmm. up for news and updates. And as we all know, that's pretty tough to convert people with that call to action. Mm -hmm. What most realtors use is category two, which is some kind of free exchange of value. So click here to to download my free buyer's guide or my free guide to selling a home in 30 days or free chapter of my book or white paper. And certainly that works better than the first chapter or the first category. Mm -hmm. What we're finding works better than anything else right now is category three, which is interactive content. Content, offering hmm. a free quiz or a free assessment within your website, where you give somebody a chance to to kind of dip their toe in the water with your content and with you before they take that next step. So it it might be you know what's your uh, what neighborhood in Austin is the best neighborhood for you? Take this quiz or or hmm. something like that. You can get kind of creative with it, but it becomes something that if you do it the right way, is a really good way to get some information from somebody but it's also a really fun way to to start some engagement and kind of give people a chance to dip the toe in their toe in the water with your personality and your content. So I just wanted to flag that as something we're seeing work really well right now.
0: Oh, I love that. So I'm actually going to cuz a lead magnet is a term I'm familiar with and I've still yet to figure out what that like trigger Phrase would be or trigger lead magnet would be to convert. Because a lot of realtors will say, oh, give me your name and email and address, and I'll give you a free analysis of your home value. Well, now that's kind of becoming the played out offer. And so I really like this idea of, you know, maybe answering another question, like what's the next question in the journey that we can help answer that they don't have to commit to us yet, but get a sense of who we are, and the value we provide to, I love that idea. So, I mean, I I could keep asking you so many questions but I'm gonna let you go (laughs) and and enjoy (laughs) the rest of your day. But I wanna thank you so much for your time and for sharing this valuable information. But before I let you go, I want to make sure that people in our audience know how to keep up with you and to learn more. Um, So how can we follow you? Um, And then, and you've talked about this brand assessment. Um, What, what more can we do to learn about that?
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun um, for your audience, I, I do a lot of speaking on this topic. And and as Jennifer mentioned, I have a couple of books. You can go to RustyShelton.com and learn a little bit more about all of that. We also have, um, just to practice what we preach, uh, for our agency, ZilkerMedia.com, Z-I-L-K-E-R Media.com. Z-I-L-K-E-R Media.com uh, we've got a personal brand quiz. And you can okay. go in there, take the quiz, figure out kind of where you are right now and give you some ideas on on how to take that next step.
0: Oh, awesome. And, um, well, thank you so much again. And I will include links to all these resources in our show notes. Um, so everybody listening can have that and Rusty, thank you so much again. And I look forward to having this launch and help out all these realtors who could really benefit from this information. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, friends, that's the show for today. I hope you learned as much as I did about Authority Marketing with Rusty Shelton. If you have not read his books, they're available on Amazon. And again, those titles are Mastering the New Media Landscape, Embrace the Micromedia Mindset, and Authority Marketing. And remember to go and buy your domain name as soon as you can. I have a link in the show notes with instructions on how to do that if you want a step-by-step guide. You can also get this guide and show notes with all the links mentioned in today's podcast by going to marketingacademyforagents.com two. And that's just the number two to make it simple. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. The growth of this podcast is critical to giving you quality interviews like this to help you build your business. Well, that's all we have for today. I will see you next week with more great tips on marketing your real estate business.